I hope you've enjoyed our baby Thanksgiving this morning. It's always one of my favourite mornings of the year when we pray for these little ones and we um, pray for the parents. I absolutely love it. Um, It almost made me a little bit broody when I looked at these babies at the front there. But then I remembered everything else in there. And it was good to watch from a distance. <laughs> Listen, this morning we're going to be continuing a series we've been working on um, in the book of Matthew, in, in Matthew's Gospel in the Bible, uh, which is an account of Jesus' life, which goes into detail about all of the things that Jesus taught, the things that he did, the people he engaged with, the miracles that he performed, and the lives that he transformed. It's an amazing book. And over the past few months as a church, we've just been reminded of how amazing Jesus is. That's the impression we get every week. And if you're visiting us here this morning, if you wouldn't call yourself part of Jubilee Church, if you want to know anything about us as a church, this is all you need to know, okay? We're a church who believe that Jesus um, changes lives and following him is the best decision that you can ever make. All right, so if you don't hear anything else I say this morning, hear that, okay? Following Jesus is the best decision that you can ever make. And as we said earlier, though, it is a decision that you have to make, all right? The babies that we prayed for this morning, they aren't Christians. They aren't followers of Jesus. We've all got a decision to make. These babies will have to grow up one day and make their own decision to follow him. Of course, we can advise them and we can um, try and equip them to encounter Jesus, but one day they've got to make their own decision to follow Jesus, and that's the same for all of us. So this morning we're going to learn from the Bible about someone who made that very decision to follow Jesus. This is a story about a guy called Matthew who's a tax collector. We're going to be reading from Matthew 9, uh, chapter 9, verse 9, and the words should be behind me in a second. Okay, so as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. And while Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Excellent. So just to give a bit of context here, okay. So last week, um, we looked at a story which happens right before this one in the Bible. And it was a story where Jesus demonstrates who he is. He demonstrates that he is God by healing a man who was paralyzed. And he demonstrates not only um, that he's God by healing him, but also by forgiving him for his sins. He forgives him for everything that he's ever done wrong. And as we learned last week, this was a big moment in Jesus' ministry. And for a lot of people, it was a moment that the penny finally dropped. People realized that this Jesus wasn't some clever, quirky teacher who did nice things. It wasn't some lovely man who made people feel good about themselves. It wasn't some guru or spiritual advisor. This Jesus was actually God. That's what we learned last week, didn't we? This Jesus was God. They were looking at God. God was in their midst. So it's straight after that interaction that we come to this next story. Jesus encountering a tax collector called Matthew. 
Now, one thing we need to do straight away, all right, is define what a tax collector was. Do we have anyone who works for the Inland Revenue here? That's good. Okay, just thought I'd better check that before I start insulting tax collectors. Um, because tax collectors in Jesus' time are very different to what we would expect now. Okay, so these weren't guys who worked nine to five in an office and sent your bills to pay your tax. Okay, tax collectors in the Bible were despised by everyone, they were traitors who ripped people off. They worked for the enemy, they worked for the Romans. Um, See, the Jews at the time, they were under control of the Romans, and the Romans were the official government. So what the Romans would do is they would employ these Jewish guys, these tax collectors, to collect money from the Jewish people. And how it worked was that the Jews had to pay a certain amount of tax, which was requested by the Romans, but anything above that amount, the tax collectors could keep in their pocket. So what they did is they would charge extortionate amounts of tax so that they'd become very rich themselves. And for this reason, the tax collectors were despised by everyone. Because they were bad on two accounts. First of all, they worked for the enemy. And second of all, they ripped off their own people. They were greedy and they didn't care about their own people. They were really, really not liked. Unlike tax collectors today who are quite like that, they we, we, we kind of like him. But um, Jesus sees this individual, this tax collector, and he says, follow me. And then, as it is in, in that culture, Jesus invites himself around his house for a meal. And what you need to understand here is that people were starting to follow Jesus. Jesus was starting to have a bit of a following. He had crowds following him who were enjoying his teaching. They were witnessing his miracles. They were calling him rabbi, which means teacher. They were seeing him as like a religious teacher. So the people that were following him and learning from him, they saw him go to this sinner's house for dinner, and they were intrigued. Because religious people didn't go and have dinner with sinners. Rabbis didn't go to the houses of tax collectors and prostitutes and have dinner parties. That's not how it worked. So what Jesus was doing by going to this man's house, by telling him to follow him, Jesus was showing that he was completely different to the religious people at that time. He acted in a way which showed that he was different to religion. For religious people, it was all about them being separate from others. They were holy. They were better than everyone else. But Jesus was saying the opposite. He was saying, I'm going to come and be with those who need me. Jesus was saying it's not about rules, it's not about being separate, but it's about engaging with people. And if you're here this morning and you're just visiting and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian, I want you to know that that is what it's like to follow Jesus. Jesus isn't some distant person who's clean and too holy to go near. Jesus came and spent time with those who needed him. To put it a bit simpler, Jesus is better than religion. Hopefully you've got that sense this morning, we're not religious people. We're not religious, we are Christians who believe in Jesus. We believe that God came to earth to be with us. Jesus is better than religion. Being right with God doesn't depend on your actions, the things that you do, the lifestyle that you live. It depends on a relationship with the one who came to be in your life. Jesus, I'll say it one more time, Jesus is better than religion. We're allowed to be excited about that, by the way. Jesus is better than religion. Come on. 
That's good. It's brilliant. Look, the second thing we see about his interaction was the sheer fact that Jesus was willing to engage with those on the edge of society. Not only did this show that Jesus was better than religion, but it also drew a whole load of people in. Those who were on the edge suddenly had a part to play. Those who were downcast and looked down upon by society, they suddenly had a purpose and a part to play. People wouldn't want to be friends with tax collectors or prostitutes or sinners and criminals, but Jesus was bringing about a new way of living. He talks about that a little bit later on when he talks about new wineskins and, 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 and new wine. Jesus was bringing about a new way of living. To follow Jesus was different to what people expected with religion. See, Jesus was showing that he loved those guys on the edge. He was comfortable with those guys on the fringes. He'd roll his sleeves up and get right alongside those who needed him the most. See, when Jesus calls Matthew to follow him, it's not like an arm's length thing. It's not like, come and follow me, but you stay over here where, where the unclean people are. It's not like a formal arrangement. Jesus was saying, follow me, and I'm going to get right alongside you. I'm going to roll up my sleeves, and I'm going to be part of your life. Jesus gets right into Matthew's life, and he helps him from there. And you know, if you are uh, visiting this morning, if you're not a Christian this morning, you might think that's a little bit strange. Like, why would Jesus go and hang out with these bad people? Is he saying that their lifestyle is okay? Is he saying it's okay to be a prostitute or a tax collector or a sinner? Is it a bit like, you know, when you see celebrities hanging around with uh, criminals? Like, remember the late, great Diego Maradona would always be around mafia and drug dealers and criminals, wouldn't he? I don't know if I'm allowed to call him great Maradona, but uh, he was a good footballer, wasn't he? But Jesus wasn't like that. He, he was spending his time with these people, not to show that their lifestyle was acceptable, but to show that he wanted to be with them as they changed. That was what Jesus was doing. He was showing them that there was hope for change. He was showing them complete and unmerited love, something that they would never experience anywhere else. That's what Jesus was doing. He was doing that so people would see that following him was a better way of living. And we all believe that, don't we? We believe that following Jesus is a better way of living and, and following him is the right thing to do. And that's why a few verses later, Jesus says, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but those who are ill. In other words, unless someone shows mercy to these guys, nothing will ever change. We're not going to change their lives by telling them how bad they are. It's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the ill. And that's how it should be for the church today. Jesus loves and accepts us as we are in the mess of our lives in the midst of all of the wrong things that we do, he comes and meets us. He comes and encounters us. You might have come here this morning and thought, there's no way that Jesus wants to engage with me. There are hundreds of better people than me. But in the same way that Jesus said to Matthew, follow me, he says the same to you this morning. Follow me as you are. Follow me into a better life. Follow me into freedom. Follow me into joy. Follow me into hope. And when you do that, your natural reaction is to change. We don't come to Jesus with it all sewn up and together, do we? We come to him as we are, and that leads us to want to change.
And hopefully as a church we reflect that. Hopefully as Jubilee Church we reflect the fact that we welcome everyone in. It's one of our values, isn't it? We welcome. Hopefully you've got that sense this morning as you've been here. You've got a sense that I'm welcome here even if I don't believe all this stuff. Even if I don't believe all this stuff, I've got a place here. Let's keep doing that as a church. Let's keep being welcoming. Let's keep being like Jesus and meeting people wherever they are in their lives. Because you know what? When people meet Jesus, that's when things change. When people encounter him, you can't be the same, can you? When you meet Jesus, that makes your life different. What else can we learn from this story? Well, the final thing that I find interesting about Matthew, the tax collector, um, and you need to look a little bit deeper to discover this, but um, Matthew is the same Matthew who's widely believed to have written Matthew's gospel, believe it or not. Okay, so the same Matthew, the tax collector, is the same man who wrote this book. He wrote this account of Jesus' life that we've been studying, and, and we're studying all these years later. This account that's changed millions of lives throughout generations was written by this tax collector who simply followed Jesus. What does this tell us? Well, it, it shows us that we've got this man here who was pretty much despised by everyone. He was on the edge of society. He didn't have much to offer. We've got this man and suddenly he, he had nothing to offer Jesus, but Jesus says, follow me. And then what we see is that Jesus um, tells him to leave his old life behind and engage with him. And, and then Jesus uses this man who had nothing to offer to write this account of his life. See, Matthew was a tax collector. He'd have been fairly educated. He'd have certainly been able to write and record things. So what Jesus does is he takes the main skill this man had, Matthew's pen, and he uses it in a new and beautiful way. On the face of it, Matthew had nothing to offer, but Jesus took what little he had and used it for something beautiful, for something amazing. And I think this final point is something that we can all learn from. You know, whether you've been a Christian for 30, 40 years, or whether you've just turned up today for the baby Thanksgivings, we all have a purpose. We all have a, a part to play in the kingdom of God. God can use what little that we've got for his kingdom. As followers of Jesus, there's no such thing as a sidelines, there's no such thing as a substitute's bench. We all have an important role. God's blessed us with skills and talents that he wants us to use. God wants to use us for his kingdom, even if the things that we offer look bizarre elsewhere. You see, when you accept Jesus into your life, it says in the Bible in Romans 8 um, that we're adopted, we're brought in, we're be become, we, we become part of the family. And when you're part of a family, you fit in, don't you? You've got a purpose. You offer things to that family, you offer things that are good. Even if you've never found your role or your purpose in life, all of that changes when you meet Jesus, doesn't it? All of that changes when you meet Jesus. You see that with Matthew in his story. You know, I see that in my own life as well. I was um, un, a shy, unconfident guy from a, a rough part of a rough town. Um, I wasn't particularly bright or charismatic. I'm still not that bright, to be honest. But um, I wasn't bright or charismatic. But when I met Jesus, suddenly I found a family. I found a home. In fact, Mike Coltman is going to speak next week. He was my youth leader 
and um, through engaging with him and other guys in the church, I was brought into something that had a purpose. This guy who didn't offer anything suddenly had a family and had a purpose. And from that point on, things began to change. You see, the easiest thing in the world to do is to exclude ourselves. If we look back at this story, the easiest thing for tax collectors and sinners to do would be to exclude themselves, but that's not what Jesus wants for us. Jesus wants to draw us in. And let me tell you, this isn't just an issue, by the way, for people who wouldn't call themselves Christians. This is an issue that can affect people who've been part of the church for years. Maybe you've got into the habit of excluding yourself. Maybe you feel like you don't belong here because Jesus wouldn't want to use you. Maybe you feel you've got nothing to offer. Maybe you feel like you've got no part to play. I was just chatting to someone this morning. We've all got a part to play. So if you're here this morning and you think you've got nothing to offer, you think you've got no role here in this church, let me tell you that that's a lie that's holding you back from getting involved in what God wants for you. Because we've all got a purpose, we've all got a role to play. Don't believe that lie, get stuck in. We've all got a purpose. Let me tell you about a friend of mine before we finish this morning. It's a, it's a bit of a story of a real life Matthew. Um, when I first became a Christian, uh, I had a friend of mine who was actually, we can put him on the screen actually, I've got a friend of mine called Milan. You might have heard me speak about him before, that's Milan. He was a, a, a Methodist minister from the Czech Republic. And uh, he was spending a year in the UK serving churches in Darlington. And he was the most lovely guy ever. He's like my spiritual father. I never had a dad growing up, and I think Milan was the closest thing to a dad I ever, I ever had, really. And um, Milan told me about this guy that he engaged with back in Prague. See, um, while he was living in Czech Republic, Milan used to do ministry in prisons in, in Prague. And he met this guy in prison called Pavel. And Pavel was like your stereotypical Eastern European big criminal guy, all right? He was like as tall as he was, wide, he had big muscles, um, goatee beards, husky voice. He was a proper um, criminal, really. And um, Milan engaged with this guy in prison, and he told him about Jesus. And, uh, and Pavel had been in prison pretty much in and out his whole life. He was a career criminal. He'd been involved in violence and gangs and anything else you can think of, just really bad stuff. But Milan told him about Jesus, and Pavel became a Christian. He realized that Jesus offered him love and forgiveness and a new hope and a new future. And Pavel gave his life to God right there in prison. And a few years later, when Pavel was released from prison, he really wanted to serve God. He was passionate passionate enough about Jesus that he wanted to serve him. But what on earth could he do? What did he have to offer? This was a guy who'd been in prison his whole life. His whole life had been about crime and violence. What could God use this guy for? Anyway, going back to my friend Milan, as part of his year in the UK, he was due to organise a mission trip where he'd bring a whole load of teenagers over to the UK to spend a week in the church um, running a holiday club where they would serve school kids in Darlington. Okay. So he brought these checks over and they spent a week in the UK. And um, the trip happened and all the teenagers, teenagers landed in England. And Milan and I went to meet them at the airport. And we got to Newcastle Airport and I remember seeing all these teenagers come kind of bounding out of the um, arrivals lounge. And they were all excited to be there. And then at the back of all of these teenagers was this massive uh, a mountain of suitcases. 
Okay. Like, you know those airport trolleys that you get, the big ones at Coast to Coast? It must have had 20 suitcases on. It's maybe a bit less, but it was like a big old trolley full of suitcases. And behind this mountain of suitcases was an equally large mountain of a man. And it was Pavel. And he was pushing these bags. And the teenagers went running out to the car park, and we got into this minibus, and the teenagers all jumped into the bus and found the best seats. And Pavel neatly loaded each of the suitcases into the back of the bus. The teenagers didn't even look at where the suitcases were. They didn't care. Pavel loaded them all back in. And then he drove the minibus to Darlington. And when we got to Darlington, we got to the Methodist church where these guys were staying, and the teenagers ran out, and they went to find their rooms and do whatever. And Pavel neatly loaded all the suitcases from the back of the minibus, and he went to deliver them to the different rooms where the kids were staying. And as the week went on, I noticed that Pavel was continuing in this vein. He was in the background just serving away. And uh, there's Pavel on the screen behind there, yes. The, uh, and um, Pavel was serving. He'd get up early every morning and make breakfast. He'd do all of the washing up. He'd set out all the tables and chairs in the, um, in the holiday club. He'd drive the minibus to different activities. Pavel was just there in the background. And Pavel didn't speak a word of English, but on the last night of this mission trip, at the end of the week, we all stayed up late and we were praying for each of the guys who'd been on this trip. We were getting them in the middle and we were all praying for them and just asking God to bless them. And the very last guy to go into the middle was Pavel. And as we started to pray for Pavel, and as the youth group started to pray for Pavel, his eyes kind of started flooding and he started crying. And he was filling up as he explains that, um, and someone translated this for me because obviously I don't speak Czech. I've not got many talents and one of them isn't speaking Czech, but someone was translating and he was filling up because he'd said that in his whole life, he'd never ever fit in. He'd joined the gangs and he'd been a criminal because that was the closest thing he'd ever found to people who accepted him. And he said that when he became a Christian, he was sure that it would be the same, that he wouldn't fit in. Why would God use this criminal, and he was kind of in tears because he said for the first time in his life, he felt like he was useful. Because during his mission trip, he could serve God. He couldn't do much, but he could drive a minibus, he could cook some food, and he was fairly organized. In fact, being in prison had helped him to become quite structured and organized in his life. It suited him perfectly. And he was just crying when he was saying how thankful he was that he had a part to play. He said it was an absolute honor that God would use him to serve as part of his mission. It was just a touching story. He was this guy who, on the face of it, offered very little. On the face of it, offered nothing to a mission trip in the UK. Didn't speak a word of English. Couldn't pray for people. Didn't feel confident praying for people. Probably had all sorts of safeguarding issues to avoid him working with the kids. You know, this is a guy who, on the face of it, had nothing to offer but suddenly found his purpose, suddenly found a role to play. I'll never forget the absolute joy on this guy's face as he just found his purpose. Something that I think about from time to time. And you know, Pavel actually died a few years after that. My friend Milan, he, he kind of caught up with him at the end of his life. And even like kind of on his deathbed, so to speak, Pavel still spoke with such joy about how God had used him to serve these young people. Just an amazing story. You see, for Pavel and for Matthew, the tax collector, it's the same thing, really. 
Encountering Jesus means that he's able to give them a role to play. He takes them from the edge to the center. He gives them a hope and a future. They no longer have to be on the sides watching in, but they can be part of the action. They can have a role to play. You know, just as I was preparing this talk this week, I wonder whether there's any Pavels here this morning, whether there's any guys here this morning who just feel like they're on the edge, who feel like God wouldn't want to use them, who feel like they can't have a role to play. Because if that's you this morning, I feel like God wants to say to you that he wants to draw you in. He wants to give you a purpose. You don't need to be on the edge anymore. You don't need to feel excluded. God can use you. God can give you that purpose. God can give you that hope and that new life. You just need to accept him. If I can get a band up, um, that would be great. And we're just going to respond in a second. I just think there's a couple of uh, different people who might want to respond this morning. For some of you, maybe you're visiting this morning and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian. You wouldn't agree with any of this stuff. What I want to say to you is that if you've heard nothing else this morning... Hopefully you've heard that Jesus is better than religion. I want to encourage you to please explore this Jesus. Because he's unlike anything else that you will ever encounter in your life. Can I encourage you to follow Jesus? Can I encourage you to come speak to me at the end? Or even better, come along to Alpha tomorrow night. Come, and, come, come along and explore who Jesus is. Because you can know this Jesus this morning. For others of you this morning, I feel like there's some people who really resonate with that story about Pavel, you felt like you've been on the edge. And I'm not just talking about people who aren't Christians, by the way. You might have been part of the church for years and you feel like you've not got a role to play. Let me tell you, God doesn't want that for you. God wants you to engage. He wants you to be involved. He wants you to find your purpose and your role in him. If that's you this morning, I'd love to pray with you as well. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to stand in a second. We're going to worship. And I'm going to, um, if you've been part of Jubilee's ministry team over the years, can I ask you to come out to the front here? Um, what, I tell you what, we haven't got rules anymore. So what should, what should we do? Um, if you're part of Jubilee's ministry team, Sam's going to kill me. Come along at the front um, and um, just line up here, okay? If you want to respond this morning, there's lots of us, okay? I'm confident in faith. There's lots of us who want to respond this morning. Why don't you um, come forward and receive prayer this morning? If you feel like you've been on the edge if you feel like you've got nothing to offer, if you don't know Jesus more and you want to know him, I want to encourage you to come forward and have some prayer this morning as the band uh, pray. So ministry team, can you come up now, um, please? That would be great. And uh, I'm going to pray for us and then we'll respond. Lord, I thank you so much that you give us a hope and a future, Lord. God, as we heard in this passage and um, as you engaged with Matthew, you took him from the edge to the center, Lord. I want to pray this morning for each of us. Would we get um, that same experience? Would we no longer be on the edge, but would we be in the center, Lord? God, I thank you that you offer us something better than religion. I pray this morning, Lord, would there be people who really just experience that for the first time? Would they experience that knowing you is better than anything else they'll ever, ever experience, Lord? God, we love you. We thank you that you changed lives. We thank you that you were changing lives 2,000 years ago and you're changing lives today, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.